Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We started a mini-series really last week called Walking in the Spirit. This is one of my favourite things of all time to be able to be a part of and to share with you. Uh, These are things that have been foundational to my life and to this day uh, for much of, uh, I guess, not the biblical knowledge alone, as in like doctrine, but I mean in terms of the spiritual strength that uh, by the grace of God flows in my life. I mentioned in the mingle time, Psalm 103 verse 7, where it says, God made known His acts unto the children of Israel, but He made known His ways unto Moses. I believe that God is not bizarrely mystical. He's not hard to discover. He's not somehow or other playing hide and seek with the human race. He's not somebody who is capricious. And that simply means He's not someone who's one way one minute. And then the next day you find Him something completely different. But God is a consistent God. The God who made the world as consistent as it is, obviously, has a lot of process and ways about Him. And so we began that last week speaking about the whole concept of waiting on God. And tonight I wanna speak to you on the real you because it's foundational to things like hearing from God or to walking through difficulty. So many people have no real idea. They know the Bible in the sense of they know verses of the Bible, but maybe a revelation of who they are and who God's made them to be will help them step up in other ways. Tonight, I'm gonna give you quite a lot of Scriptures. So you might wanna jot them down, remember them for later, look them up. uh, Because I really think that uh, when you let them all speak to you, you'll discover some powerful truths in God. So let's start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And my issue tonight really in this message was how do I, what ones do I leave out? Because quite frankly, streaming through my mind was many, many of these. First Thessalonians 5 verse 23 is a very interesting Scripture. It says this, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting there that God doesn't say you are just a mind inhabiting a body, but He says there are three parts to you. He says, and now may your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, we are told this, Therefore we do not lose heart, for though our outward man is perishing, that is the external you, we are all ageing. There are parts of us that are getting older. Well, all of us, we're getting older as we speak. But though our outward man is perishing, it doesn't mean dying. It means literally breaking down. Though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. I read a a book recently where they were talking about DNA and about uh, some of the parts of that that they cannot understand why they don't self-replicate and continue. It's fascinating that science can tell us so much and I love science, but there are some parts of you 
that are still a mystery. And yet God says this here, uh, almost echoing that there's some parts of you that are breaking down. And yet the inward you. So we get this idea from these two Scriptures that there are three parts to me, spirit, soul and body, and they are represented by the outer part and an inner part of me. So you and I are a lot more than a mind housed in a body. Think about this a second, because you're more than your thoughts. Because if you're not more than your thoughts, what part of you can control your thoughts? If you're just a mind. I was listening to a podcast this week where a scientist, a psychologist was talking about the difference between brain and mind, that they're not the same. So much research is happening in these places. I was listening to a behavioural psychologist talking about it and, you know, you might go, well, were they all Christians? No, because science in that sphere right now is rapidly racing to catch up with things that when I hear them, I go, well, that's the Bible tells me that. I already know that because the Scripture, but science is giving a factual basis to that. And I love that. So I'm a lot more than just my thoughts. That's why the Bible says you can take charge of them. 2 Corinthians says that we are to take every thought captive. In other words, if I can take every thought captive, there must be a part of me that's not just my thoughts because how can thoughts take charge of thoughts? That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So when it comes to that, understand that there is a part of you and I believe, and I'll show you in a minute, that's the part of you that God not only indwells, but it's the part of you that God relates to. We're all going somewhere with this, by the way, tonight. So follow along well. Don't forget you can, uh, you know, SMS in your questions to 0439134764. You can, that's anonymous, by the way. If you put them on the chat, then I guess people will know who it is that's putting it there. But uh, whichever way it goes, Pastor Bruce will be back at the end of this message and we'd love to try and answer your questions. Not sure I can answer them all, but we'll try. Let me give you a couple of more Scriptures here that again speak to this fact that there's an inner you that people can't see. I can measure your intellect. I can give you a personality profile and I can discover a bit about the way you tend to respond. We certainly know a lot about your body. However, God says there's a part of you that's reserved for Him. Because when He said to, in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis 1, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, even just looking around this room that I'm in, uh, in front of right now, what does God look like then? Does God look like that person? Does He look like that culture, that uh, race of people? Does He look like that height, that weight, that body shape? Does He look like that hair colour, that eye colour? Obviously, when God said, let us make mankind in our image, He wasn't talking about the outer me or else we'd all look the same like God. We don't. But there's an inner you. Again, stay with me on this. We're going somewhere. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. I think one of the first verses I ever learned as a Christian. It says, therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. Well, I remember when I came to Christ, my IQ never jumped 10 points. Or maybe I got wiser as I followed God, but I was still me. My basic personality style stayed the same. 
but there was a part of me that became new. It says old things are passed away. But you know, when I gave my life to Jesus, not everything about me, people still recognised who I was. So there was a part of me that instantly and immediately got changed. Listen, following Jesus is not a personal development program. It's not behavioural modification. It's not some kind of, of, you know, follow Jesus and bit by bit, you'll become someone else. There is a part of you that when you say your yes to Jesus is instantly changed. There's a part of you, I've seen it over and over again. I think one of the greatest promises of the Bible and one of the greatest commands and imperatives of the Gospel is this, And sometimes in church, we've forgotten it. And we can almost act like somehow or other, it's about trying harder. But that's not the truth at all. That's what this message is about. Walking in the Spirit is not trying harder. Walking in the Spirit is engaging with that part of me that is uh, the part of me that relates to God. And so I can begin to hear God. I can begin to have the power and the favour of God walk uh, through my life. When you heard Pastor David now speaking a little bit earlier about how in his business world, there are these divine connections and these divine moments that take place. But how does he know that? It's not intellectually alone, but there are the, I know this would be so, that there are these promptings. I know so many Christians who uh, will say to me, I just felt prompted to go there. And this is what happened. Why? Because there's a part of you that's made new and in the image of God. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 uh, says this, The spirit of a man or a woman is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Now, God never uses words carelessly. He uses them deliberately. The real you, the inner you, comes alive when you are born again, when you receive Christ. And that means your ability to know and to understand spiritual things. First Corinthians talks about that, that the spiritual man understands these things. The natural man or mind doesn't get them. And so that's why for many of us, we understand when we came to Christ, all of a sudden the Bible that we thought was full of strange stuff, all of a sudden the Bible starts making sense. We start going, wow, how did that happen? Because the real you, the inner you, the part that God indwells came alive in God. And so spiritual truth becomes normal for you, whereas before it was shuttered up from you, you weren't able to see it. So now you can receive direction. You can operate in spiritual power and authority. You can receive revelation. It's, it's honestly, it's got to be the most exciting thing about following God is that I am in relationship with someone. I'm walking with someone. Do I know it all? No, I don't. But is revelation continuing in my life? I would encourage you, don't settle for a Christian life based alone on logic. I'm not saying be illogical. I'm saying that reason is not a foundation for faith. Revelation is the foundation for faith. 
That's what Romans 10 says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But it comes, the Word, uh, the word of God there is not Logos, the printed Word. It's Rhema, the uttered Word of God. And so in other words, when I come into this space, I know many people tonight or whenever you are a part of this service, many of you, it's like you're going to go, aha, and your life is going to go from a Christian followership based on reason, and that's not bad, but you're going to start going, wow, I can live in a dimension I never dreamed of. Proverbs 18 verse 14, let me take it a bit further. This is one of my favourite verses. It says, A man's spirit can sustain his infirmity or his brokenness, but who can bear a broken spirit? Uh, A wounded spirit, who can bear? But, you know, a, a man's spirit can sustain him in infirmity. There is something about it. When you are walking through difficulty, there is an inner part of you That's the part that can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say to rejoice. How many of you know what I mean? When your brain says to you, you ought to be depressed, you ought to be confused, you ought to be in despair, you ought to be giving up. I remember Pastor Ray telling me uh, at one stage uh, when there was a whole lot of shifts in your world. And I'll never forget you said to me, you know what, Katie and I trust God with this. We know God's got it. I remember that conversation. And I think, see, there's evidence there that the inner part of you somehow rather knows things that the outer part of you doesn't understand. I'm not talking about being weird here, by the way. We've got enough weird Christians. We don't need any more. But I am talking about learning how to walk with God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, the inner you. Now, this is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit said, Paul, write this down, write this prayer down, how many of you know it's a prayer that God will answer? So we're not praying, oh God, I wish you would. He's saying this, watch. He says, I will strengthen you with might, but not in the outer. You can be weak outside. I remember walking through a a condition in my life 10 years ago. I remember going to a health professional who said this to me. He said, Woody, he's been a friend of mine for years. He said, Woody, you should not be like you are. You ought to be getting worse, but you're getting stronger. Why? Because there was something strengthening me in the inner life and that has its effect in the outer life. Strengthened with might by Spirit through the inner man but goes on, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend, there's revelation, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge or gnosis, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, God says, I want to do something in your inner life that will set you up for victory, that will set you up for revelation, that will set you up for walking with God not just simply being an attender or someone who's waiting for heaven. We pay lots of attention to our outer life, don't we? Thank God we do. 
I thank God that all the people I can see took the trouble to get ready for this service. You dressed up, you look good. Turn to someone right now and say, you look fine. Huh? You look fine. At, at home or wherever you are, if there's nobody else there, look in the mirror and say, you're looking fine. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, Amen, you might as well. We pay lots of attention to our parents and we pay a lot of attention to our mind, don't we? How many parents have spent an absolute fortune educating your kids? I used to hate it when I'd say to my kids, what did you learn today at school? And they'd say, nothing. And I used to say to them, what am I spending all this money for? You learned nothing? We spend a lot of time and energy on study and learning stuff. But I wonder how many of us spend much time on developing our inner life. I'm going to give you right now three things fairly quickly. Three things that will help build your inner life. All right? Here's number one. What we behold lifts us or lowers us. Now, when I say behold, I don't mean simply a bit of a glance at it. I mean something that grabs your attention. One of my granddaughters, who will remain nameless, but I love Judah. She's so irrepressible in nature. She is like energy to the max. But when Judah and her family were living here with us in Perth and she would be with me and I needed to bring correction or to tell her about it, something I wanted her to do, I learned very early I needed to do this. I'd say, Judah, look at me. Judah, look at me. And she'd look and then turn away. I'd say, Judah, look at me. And I wouldn't give her the direct, listen to this, I wouldn't give her the direction until I had her attention. So many of us come to pray and we say, Lord, tell me, help me, show me. And then we just zing right out of there as fast as a ping pong ball in a hurricane. And we don't, God hasn't got our attention. And so we don't get the direction. What we behold, listen to these verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we don't lose heart. I gave you this one at the start, but I'm going to carry it further. We don't lose heart for though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man or woman is renewed day by day. Then it says this again, all these things work together. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it means a moment in time, is working for us a more exceeding weight of glory. But it doesn't stop there. In other words, it doesn't say every problem you face is actually going to make your life better. It's going to help you. You'll come out stronger. People say, what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. I think that's rubbish, quite frankly. I've met a lot of people who never got stronger. They got wrecked. Huh? The Bible doesn't say whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. It says whatever you keep your attention on. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporal. That means they're passing. But the things which are unseen are eternal. So whatever I behold, whatever grabs my attention, that is either going to lift me or lower me. Let me ask you a question. What's got your attention? Is it problems or promises? Is it the world Pastor David said that. We've got an eternal perspective. 
it's good to keep that in mind. Does that hold you? Or are you getting all knotted up over he said, she said, they did? How about coming before God? Take what I said last week on waiting. You've got to get before God. I often will start praying and for the first five or 10 minutes at least, my brain is just full of all the issues, all the problems, all the I wishes. And if I keep on bringing my mind back, you've got to, listen, let me say it this way. You've got to do a Judah on yourself. Look at me, look at me, look at me. All the Kath and Kim lovers are getting that one. Look at me, look at me, look at me. But isn't it true you've got to do that? How many people here have ever told God, God, I commit this to you and you walked out and completely forgot what you just committed to it? Two of us in the entire building have our hands up to say, I've done it a million times. I've gone out of the place of prayer and then walked out and gone and then started talking about the very thing that I just committed to God as though I'd never prayed. Here's number two. Second thing that'll build your inner life, what you speak brings life, energy and strength or death, weakness and decay. Let me give these to you quickly. You know many of these, I'm sure. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 8 says, The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles and they go down to the inmost part of the body. Isn't that so? I heard a, another podcast this week, again, a couple of psychologists chatting. They were talking about, the, some, someone wrote a book on it called The Law of Bad. They say that for every bad thing that you encounter or that's said about you, you need four lots of encouragement to take, a, you know, to take away the pain of it. Now, they've done research on that. I don't know how true that is, but I guess they, they sure know what they're talking about, I hope. I know this. I've met many people that are still living with a wound deep inside of them from something somebody said when they were a kid. Why? Because it never lodged in here. It lodged in here. It's not just in the memory. It goes deeper than that. Proverbs 18, 14. Ha, huh. Lots of you will have heard this one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit of it. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's why if you're a parent here, never call your child a nickname that is disparaging or put them down. Don't give them a pet name like, I don't know, Butchie Grub. Someone I know and love dearly. That's what they were called when they were little. Huh? Give them a... Nickname like princess or, you know, champion. I don't know. What do you say about yourself? Listen, if you were a golfing caddy to yourself, most of you would get fired because you are forever going, you're hopeless. Oh, you're useless. Oh, gee, you're a complete drop kick. That's Australian, by the way, for those from another country. We have a lot of wonderful words we've added to the English language. Listen. If you were your own consultant, would you fire you for the way you talk to you? Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Guard your heart, the inner part of you, with all diligence, because out of it are all the issues. The word issues there is a Hebrew word that means the exits. Just like if you have a, I was with Pastor Stephen Mohan, his family, once we were travelling from Klang, in uh, Malaysia near KL down to, I don't know, somewhere or other. And we took the wrong exit three times. And 
our two-hour journey took four and a half hours because we took the wrong exits. I Pastor Stephen. Well, the Bible says that what's in your heart is the exits. Don't let what's in there take you an early exit. Here's the last one, number three. Third thing is what we feed upon builds or breaks us down. So what we behold lifts or lowers us. What we speak brings life, energy and strength or death, decay and weakness in our life. But the third one, what we feed on. Do you know the diet of a sumo wrestler? Well, you probably don't, so I'll tell you. The average sumo wrestler consumes 7,000 calories a day. Now, the average adult human of average size will consume somewhere between two and 3,000. That's recommended. This guy, because they're all guys, I think, this sumo guy is, takes in two and a half times what any of you here eat on a day. Seriously, massive amount of consuming of calories. A gymnast, on the other hand, on average, consumes 2,000 calories. You know the old saying, you are what you eat? Go talk to a sumo. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 4 verse 4. He says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds. It's not about reading more of the Bible. I hope you do read the Bible. I read it through every year. I've done that for, I don't know, nine or so years now. Every year, read through the whole lot. Follow a program. So this morning, I think I read Hosea 2 through to 6 and, um, and Hebrews chapter 2. And then tomorrow, it'll be Hosea something else and, and Hebrews 3. And I do that and I love it. But can I tell you, it's not reading the Bible. It's letting the Bible talk to you. It's what you feed. Do you know what you eat doesn't feed your life? It's only what you eat that your body absorbs that builds you. I know that's basic biology, physiology, but it's true. A lot of people forget it. They think if I read it, it's got into me. I go, no, you've got to let it break down. You know, that's why the Scripture says meditate in the Word of God. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. You know, get a hold of the promises of God. Think on them. Remember how I talked earlier about doing a Judah on your mind? Bring it back. I'll tell the story next week about how one of my children at one point was diagnosed with a life-threatening condition in one verse out of the Bible. One verse out of the Bible got a hold of me. I think I spoke it out loud a hundred times a day. You go, what was that about? Were you trying to convince God? No, it was nothing about convincing God. It was about getting my mind to take a back seat to truth. And when I did that, everything shifted, I'll tell you, at some later point. All of this would mean nothing if you've never made a commitment to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. You've never said yes. Because until you say yes, the Bible says you're still got a spirit in any of you, but it's not lit up. It's not alive to God. It says it's as though you are dead, even though you're living. And I don't know about anybody else, but I've been constantly amazed how when someone says their yes, 
I know of nothing like it. I've married probably a couple of hundred couples. They say a yes, and it's profound, it's beautiful. But when someone says yes to Jesus, it's not that they go home together. It's that something internally is revolutionised and transformed by their yes. So much so it's one of my favourite things on the planet to do is to talk to people just like I am right now and say, would you say your yes to Jesus? I know people did this morning, said yes. I heard about it on the chat line. People saying, I said my yes to Jesus. And I know what a difference that'll make. If you say yes, just send it through. Your yes to 488 That number again, if you're in Australia, 488 If you're outside of Australia or you'd prefer to get the help via email, then you simply go to yes.metrochurch.org.au and we would love to help you journey at least the next 30 days. We'd love to help you beyond that, of course, but certainly for the next 30 days, we'll send to you uh, just one screen of your smartphone, a Bible verse, different one every day, and a prayer for you to pray every day that'll get you started on your journey with God. It'll be outstanding for sure. Let me pray with you right now if you're saying your yes, but also in a minute, Pastor Bruce is going to come. We'll have our Q&A if there are any of those. And uh, But this subject is so huge in the Scripture that I have barely scratched the surface of it. But I wanted to give you something to start with. You might say, Jeff, I don't understand that bit. Go home and say, you know what? I'm going to behold things differently. I'm going to speak differently. I'm going to feed on some different things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for people that are a part of this service right now. Maybe they've grown up in church or maybe they've got a religious background or maybe they've got a family member that, well, they're the praying one. But they themselves have never said their yes. But right now the Holy Spirit is touching them, whispering in the inside. There's a, a, a prompting and a knowing, this is for you. I pray God that as they say their yes, they will experience what your Word promises. They'll become a new person in Christ. In Jesus' Name, Lord, we'll do all we can to help them. Thank You for that, Lord. Amen.